Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Track Talk. I have another great episode from the archives of Live From My Drum Room. This episode comes to you from March 2021 with the great Jerry Murata. This was a long episode we did that day. It was about two and a half hours. I actually had to split it into two parts. I extracted this little excerpt here where we talk about his time with the band Orleans. It was Jerry's kind of first real major gig his first time in the studio, he was he joined the band when he was 19 and recorded the big hit, Still the One, with Orleans. We also talk about um, growing up with his big brother, Rick Murata, getting established as a drummer and the two of them playing drums together and how all that worked in the Murata house. So it's a, it's a fun episode. Jerry makes it, uh, no surprise, makes it a lot of fun. Some great stories. I'll put the links in there for, for both of those episodes, part one and part two. So after the uh, little segment I play here, I'll play the track, Still the One by Orleans. And I want to take a moment and just talk about that song here with you. We talk about it during the show as well. And check out Jerry's unbelievably creative drum part that he comes up with. Uh, we, we talk about how it's a, a shuffle feel, but it's not a traditional shuffle in the sense that you think of. And he actually tells a story about Linda Ronstadt when Rick was playing with Linda sometime in the early 80s. They had a conversation about it, but check out the track. It's one of the most inventive, creative, and most difficult drum parts I've ever heard. Uh, it really is something special, and that's Jerry Murata. First time recording with the band, and with the band Orleans, a massive band at the time, and uh, one of my favorite songs. So check this out. Enjoy the great Jerry Murata, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy it. See you in a bit. Yeah, he was really so much older than he's eight years old. You know, he was he was yeah. long gone before I, you know, I I got into, you know, I went through junior high and high school. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, though, you guys, uh, even though you're like eight years apart, because he started so late playing drums. Did, did did you start playing not long after Rick started playing? Is that like was it almost the same time or a year or two later? You mean just like when the drums came into the house? Yeah, like, no, like yeah. Well, I yeah. was ten, and like you said, he was in he was in his first year of college, maybe maybe beyond first year of college. Yeah. And, uh, so he convinced a friend of his who got drafted went to Vietnam. Uh, this is the story I remember. Um, yeah. Rick, I'm sure you're watching Rick, so call in or type <laughs> in. But I think you know, he had a buddy who got drafted, and my brother kind of convinced him to let him kind of keep his drums. Yeah. I like to think, in my mind, in, in the movie, the Murata Brothers movie, <laughs> I, I see it like he did that in an effort to make sure that the guy came back. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I have your drums, you know, and if you yeah. want them back, you gotta, you, you gotta, gotta, you gotta save your ass, you know, you gotta survive Vietnam. You went to Vietnam, and yeah, and uh, you gotta come back and get your drums, you know, and that's the in my mind, I like to think of it like that. But anyway, they did come in to the, uh, they came into the house, and he, so he, we just started, you know started banging away, you know? Um, and I was like, you know, I was just uh, in my own 10 year old way, 
uh, I worshiped my older brother. I mean, he's, you know, he, sure. he was like my idol. I used to, I remember he, he had these desert boots, you know what desert boots are? Oh yeah. Sure. And yeah. He, yeah. He could, with a razor blade, he made sandals out of them. Literally he made sandals. Wow. And, uh, and I remember I was a little older than 10, but I, they were too big, but I was so into it that I, I like wore them to school one day. <laughs> My brother's <laughs> desert boots that he took a razor blade and cut like really beautifully cut, like make like sandals so they could breathe. And, uh, you know, really cool. Yeah. I used to just, you know, I, I just, you know, I just looked up, up to him so much. And I just started playing the drums um, and being, um, being ADD. Uh, pretty severe ADD. Uh, back then, there was no ADD, ADHD. It was like hyper, hyperactive. Yeah. yeah. When I got behind the drums for the first time, uh, it was like, it was like, you know, it was like Ritalin. Like it was like a, I, I, it was like a drug. It was just, I was so happy. Yeah. 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 I got everything going, you know, the legs, the arms, and so we just used to tag team, you know. Up in the attic, tag team. You know, I I listen to him, pra- like practicing. You know, and was we had this little record player, you know, with a speaker. You know, old school. Oh sure, yeah, it were Motown records, just Motown records. And I'd hear the record, and I'd hear I'd hear him. You know, lo- you know, playing along, and then he'd leave, and then I'd go up and I'd put the record on, and I'd try to play along. So, um, that. That was that was so much fun, and he never gave he never taught me a thing. By the way, um, right. of course, <laughs> you know it was one of those things. You know, this you know I I'm not going to teach you. You're going to have to learn it on your own. You know, so course, yeah. yeah, right. The Italian <laughs> the Italian way. You want the drums? Yeah, go ahead. Teach yourself like I did, like I'm doing. Yeah. 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 But anyway, uh, yeah, those, those were, you know, those were awesome times. And that's how I started playing. I got that, that's, I got to tell you, Jerry, that, that's, I've, I've heard most of that story, but you, but you filled in a lot of the details. And as we've been speaking, Brady Spencer says, love your recording discography. I'm the current drummer for Orleans. Awesome. Yeah. So he's playing that song that you recorded. Still the one. Back in 1976? Yeah. 76. 76, uh-huh. So you were 20 years old. Oh, no. It was or 19, 20? Yeah, I was around. I, I, I always want to say it was I was younger, but I joined 75. I'm born in 56, so I had to be 19, 19, 19. 20, in that 1920, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I was a, you know. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, that, I mean, hey, that could... Brady, um, I want to be your son, actually. I, I'd love to. It's funny. In, with everything I've done in my life, there was a point, a moment, where I started thinking about Orleans. And, yeah, you know, and it was like that, you know, that was such a, like an amazing time, amazing band. Everything about about those guys that that you know they were 
my favorite band on the planet. I didn't know that. Yeah. My friend in high school was a year ahead of me. She went to college at Ithaca College. Yeah, and the yeah, first yeah. time she came back, she had this album and she said, you got to hear this band. They play, they play up around Ithaca all the time. And they're awesome. And it was the Orleans record. They, yeah. was, I don't know if it was the very first one, but it was the first one, the one they did down in Muscle Shoals. And, and I listened to that record. And by the way, it's nothing like the hits. Still the one dance with me. It's like back then they were considered like the hit. They're like the Steely Dan, you know, like I remember going to like Max's Kansas City in New York. And it would be yeah. like my brother, Spinoza. Probably Andy Newman, musicians, Hugh McCrack, every all of these like A level musicians in York were like were like hip to Orleans, you know. Yeah, they were like it was kind of more like Little Feet than anything, you know. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and so and I would I saw them numerous times. So she gave me the record, and then um, and then she went back to college, and then she came back I think around Christmas time and dumped me. She dumped me, of course. And sorry about that. Sorry, this is a little cut to a year later. I'm pulling into Ithaca in a tour bus with Orleans, which I'm in Orleans, and we're playing a concert at Ithaca College, like a big concert. Yeah, so I'm sure. It was like it was like the ultimate payback. Payback, yeah. Which Lori Minder, I'm sorry, you know, I have nothing but fond memories of you, but and I understand completely, you know. She um, had her chance, though, Jerry. She had her chance. She did have her chance, and wondered uh, it. But it was just, you know, I was, I was literally blessed. Not that that was a blessing, but just all along the way, I was just super blessed. Um, and again, my brother was instrumental uh obviously it was, it was all about him and uh and then it dovetailed into the orleans gig which also he was responsible for plugging me into although that was an audition they auditioned a lot of drummers yeah and, I bet. Uh, and i was fortunate for, one, for whatever reason i got that job i don't know i don't know why they won't <laughs> i have never asked them but they, they don't want me back now but they, but uh, and that was a great band that had one of my favorite drummers on the planet still, which is Wells Kelly, yeah, who sadly died uh, way, way, obviously. I mean, this was back a long time ago in the 80s. He was on tour, I think, with Meatloaf, and he died. But one of the most unusual, you know, he was a huge, was a huge influence on me, mm-hmm. as, well, as well as my brother. Wells had a very strange style like a backward style playing and anybody who wants to hear incredible drumming and an old school recording and when i say old school i mean almost modern again you know that orleans record that they did down in muscle shoals with roger um with roger hawkins and uh barry beckett they produced the record and oh yeah yeah phenomenal record phenomenal record just Every song is like a guitar riff, like clean up woman kind of a guitar riff that breaks into a badass groove. And, and yeah, yeah. everybody sang 
when I joined the band, band I started singing. So it was like five guys singing, playing their asses off. And I remember when my bro- I got the gig, my brother said to me, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 21. You're going to be a millionaire. Because they were like, they were just like on the precipice of yeah. like just jumping up to the, you know, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 21. They were huge, and I, and and you guys were playing, like, like by the time still the one came out, <clears throat> and you were on that record. I, if I'm not mistaken, you guys were playing like arenas, right? You were playing or or like large. Yeah, we were definitely playing they theaters. Had, they had big, dance with me, which was a big hit. Yeah, um, and then um, we were playing. You know, back then the, the, it was a very different world. You know, yeah, yeah. first of all college gigs like crazy i mean and you know they would start out like in a rathskeller every college had a bar and it was called the rathskeller you know but but um then there was they had concert halls and there was a committee at every college you know that had to go out and they were buyers they were kids they were students and they would there was a thing called naca which was like a, a thing where you people bands would artists would go and showcase wars records yeah. out not records out big you know the stones didn't do it but but you know and you play like you have like eight minutes you know you can play two songs and and the they're all to these all, all these college buyers around the country and then you just book you book I think we booked like 35 gigs you know something yeah. like that. So, so we were playing that then we were doing shows like co-billing with like Little Feet, um, uh, and uh, we 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 did a tour. This, this was a little different, but we we toured with Jackson Brown, and mm. he had just put out that record, The Pretender. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So we did a long couple months tour with Jackson, opening for him, and Valerie Carter was also on that. Um, was three three bands, three acts, um, but we were playing. You know, we were playing good, pretty big venues. Um, and then we were playing places which you might remember. I, I always remember a place called the Channel Channel Club. Yeah, sure. In Austria, I, yeah. I feel like it was out on, was it out on a dock or something? Yeah. I just yeah. feel like it was on the water. You know? It was on the water. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Old, kind of an old school. Again, back then there were these mega clubs, you yeah. know. That were like they could hold like eight hundred people. I don't know about the Channel Club, but there were these clubs that held like five, six, eight hundred people. They pack them in, yeah, pack them in, and concert clubs, yeah, yeah absolutely, right. they were awesome. They were awesome gigs. It was just so much fun to play, you know, almost almost as as much fun as playing the big the big shows, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what you mean, though, too. I mean, I, I used to go to those places and and you're right. I mean, it was it was a club in, in terms of like there was a bar where you could get drinks and all. But it really was like a, a major venue because it was like bigger, a, it was a they concert. Were bigger than, yeah. uh, you know, they were they were little, they were bigger than the, like the Paradise was a club in Boston. But I don't remember. I don't think you could get that no. many people in the Paradise. I mean, it was like. No. It was. They might have had tables or something, and and and, uh, yeah. and uh, I I remember we did an unannounced Peter Gabriel gig at the Paradise. We you know they would do that occasionally where a band 
you know, they, they wouldn't tell anybody, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't advertise it, but then people would pack the place. And, and, uh, uh those, those were, those kinds of gigs were also always fun. There was all of that stuff was so, there was so much fun and there was, it was very different, you know, very different. Band. Yeah. But Orleans was, you know, it was like, I could have never done another gig. And, and if John Hall hadn't quit the band, yeah. Um, who was really the lead, the kind of the leader? He he started the band. Um, if he hadn't quit the band, we stayed together. Um, I would I would have never left. Certainly, I certainly wouldn't have left to play with Peter Gabriel, which is what I did immediately after Orle- John quit Orleans. I mean, yeah. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who Genesis was. You know, I was like, I mean, if they're not on Motown stacks. Or, or they're not from Philly, you know, Memphis, blah, blah, blah. And if they're not black, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like, I don't, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I was a snob, you know. I, was I know. That's, yeah. I was an R&B black music snob. Well, you can definitely hear, when I when I hear you play, um, when I see you play every week, you know, with with the Murata brothers. And, and I know that's a, just a small piece of, your your drum legacy, but you can definitely hear your your R and B, your your Motown groovy influence. I mean that that's what I think of you as as well. I mean, and, and although you've had a tremendous like you've made a tremendous impact with Peter Gabriel, and I just want to just touch on still the one, yeah, sure, one more time. Um, did you? I mean, you probably I'm guessing had no idea that that song would have the, the legs, the shelf life that it's had 45 years later, I'm guessing. No, right? no, I mean, no idea, not. Yeah. Right. And is it a song now that you, I, I, and you said this, you just said at the beginning, you're, you know, you've kind of come back to thinking about it. Cause I remember talking to you about it at a NAMM show, probably 20 something years ago when I found out that was you on that song, maybe more than that, 25. And I was, I was just, telling you how much I loved what you played and you were kind of like, ah, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. but you not, you weren't dismissing it, but, but I think the part you came up with in that song is so fucking awesome and memorable. I mean, the bass drum pattern that, you know what I mean? It's, it's so hard to play that, that song. If, if anybody tries to play it, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking about to play it the right way. It's so hard. I thank you. You know, and I, there are people who, who who have said you you just don't know how to play a shuffle. You, you don't know how to play a shuffle. And there are people who have said, "Dude, that's like so awesome. That's so yeah. awesome." And yeah. let me tell you, one of the people I believe that told me that I don't know how to play a shuffle, and this is how she did it. This is when my brother was playing with Linda Ronstadt back in the in the early eighties. And yeah, yeah. we met, and we were all hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And the, I don't know if my brother was, was like giving her shit or something. And then she turned to me, she goes, she said to me, uh, can you play a shuffle? You know, she was super cute and sweet. She said, hey, yeah. Gary, can you play a shuffle? And then she, she went, oh, yeah, you played on that song, Still the One. And, and that was the end. That was the end of the conversation. And oh my. it was it was kind of one of those backhanded compliments, like what you do do to a song, nobody can do, you know, like, and I'm just sure she obviously, not that I was looking to 
you know, to unseat my brother and that. But I I just thought I've always thought, I wonder what she meant by that. I mean, because I don't know. I just I know it's not, you know, your traditional beat, tr- shuffle beat. And yeah. uh, in fact, I think on a, one of her big hits, Andrew Gold played drums. Yeah, my, you're no, he played on You're No Good. I don't know, one of her songs. You're No Good, I think, is Andrew. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, but he's a lefty. A shuffle. Was a lefty. No, he was not a little, it was not no, a shuffle. I no. think there was one, one of those covers that she did. Oh, that heat was Wave. Like, it might have been wave. Heat Wave. And it, you know, when I listen, yeah. I'm going, yeah, that's, that's your textbook shuffle beat, you know, yeah. one, one and three, one in the bass drum, I'm yeah. forward with the snare, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, but, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I don't know. It's weird because, you know, having eventually when we get to Peter Gabriel, my whole approach to music got turned on its ear that when, because that's the way Peter was. I mean, he. That's- okay, so here's the track, still the one by Orleans, recorded in 1975 by a 19 year old Jerry Murata. Released in 1976, but recorded in 75. Jerry was 19. First time in the studio. Unbelievable song, unbelievable drum part. Uh, still holds up today. Check out the sound of his drums. Nice big tom-tom sound. He does those roundhouse tom fills. Uh, the bass drum pattern to me is so unique and so cool and so difficult to play. Listen closely to what he plays on the bass drum, all you drummers. Uh, great song. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Check it out.
All right, Still the One by Orleans. How about that? The great Jerry Murata on drums, a 19-year-old Jerry Murata on drums. All right, well, that's this week's episode of Track Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, give it a like, leave a comment. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also download the podcast on all the podcast platforms. You know the drill. Um, Thanks again for watching and for listening. Remember, no drummers are ever harmed on Track Talk or live from my drum room. And drummers, when in doubt, leave it out. I'll see you soon. Thanks again.